Hey folks, are you a friend of the podcast? Do me a favor. Go subscribe on wherever it is you subscribe to podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, Radio.fm, Podcast Addict, Podcast Player, you name it. Just about every Apple, Android, or other oriented podcast app. First time listener? Do me a favor. Subscribe anyway. I guarantee you're going to like it better as a subscription than having to come to the website and download every week. Okay, now that that's out of the way, this week's episode is brought to you by Horizon Books, serving Seattle book lovers for over 47 years with one of the best used book collections in the Pacific Northwest. Mention UpZones at the register and get a 10% discount. Listen to today's episode for an extra special discount plug mid-episode. Our sponsor is Horizon Books, and this is UpZones. You have to elect yourself, Jamie. Things are changing. Things are changing. You can't say it, but you know it's true. You elect yourself. Things are changing. You elect yourself. You elect yourself. Good morning. Happy Monday. What another week it has been. This is going to be a quick one here, a quick little intro. Uh, we have two great guests on, Tiana Duncan of the Duncan Connection and Brandon Letzinger, who is the founder not only of Cascadia Now, but also the Cascadia Underground, the media collective that's publishing this very podcast. They are founders. They are doers. They've made something in the city. I'm extremely excited to have both of them on the show. It's a little break from the density, urbanization, upzoning, etc., etc., that we normally have. That's okay. That's okay. It's part of the civic life. You'll see that when you see what they're doing and what they're talking about. Uh, I'm going to be traveling. I'm, I'm actually about to board a plane as I write this. That was my dog, Kanye, who just came up to see uh, what's going on. I think he wants to know where he's staying while I travel. So I'm not going to waste too much of your time uh, on an intro. I, I love these guys. I think they're doing cool stuff. They're fun to talk to. Two little quick short interviews uh, about really important one super micro local and one super macro regional that are relevant to the Seattle area. Without further ado, let's hop in and hear what Tiana Duncan has to say. All right, so question for you. Yeah. How long have you been doing this, this workout thing? So the Duncan Connection is only a year old. So we started last February. No, but I mean, how long have you been doing this workout oh, thing? Oh, fitness. Oh, yeah. shit. Ah, you can say shit. About fifteen. Fifteen. About fifteen. I started with Rainer Beach Pool, like the old RB, mm -hmm, teaching mm -hmm. water fitness. Okay. So they were like, "Hey, you want to make more money?" <laughs> and you and said yes. You, yeah. <laughs> and then you want to pick your hours? Yeah. And I was like, "Heck yeah!" yeah. yeah. And they're like, "Start teaching water fitness." And I was like, "All right." So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to jump right in. Okay. There's a racial component to that mm -hmm. because there is, it is, there is a known history of segregation in this country where public pools were not available to African-Americans. Mm -hmm. And so swimming as a cultural activity was not taught. Exactly. Right. So do you, is, is, there, is this part of that legacy? Like, do you see yourself as undoing that a little bit? I guess so. Yeah. Um, I never really saw color as an issue just because of how I was raised. My okay. parents, dad's from Kansas City, Missouri. Um, he grew up around the time, well, MLK, he was a kid, MLK just got assassinated. Mm. So 
So he got to see like the whole army trucks and his like city almost burned down. Wow. And then my mom's from the West Coast. She lived in Oakland a little bit, mm -hmm. kind of more naive, just kind of like free spirit, like, hey, I just happened to be brown gotcha, living in that gotcha. time. Um, her grandmother was a wet nurse and back in that day so she just breastfed um, mainly white kids. Um, wow. So we have that part, but they're from Louisiana. So raised coming up in Seattle, I really didn't pay attention to color because most of my friends were all different shades of brown of course, yeah. and yellow and yep. green. <laughs> and I just happened to fall in love with a sport where I, it was just my brother and I, and maybe I call them my cousins, where there are a couple other biracial kids that swam mm -hmm. competitively. Mm -hmm. In the South End, there's a lot of us that were African-American, mainly Filipino, that competed. So it didn't feel like... Okay. Anything weird. That's funny. Mm -hmm. You can get these little micro communities, and you can forget that about the bigger, exactly. the bigger thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So you've you've been doing this for, I don't want to, age you, but but a, a long time now. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I've been swimming since six years old. So that makes it twenty four years. Wow. Right. Wow. So you're you're okay at it. I mean, I'm just a just tad bit okay, yeah. you know, just a little bit. What's your favorite stroke? I'm a butterflyer. Okay. I just actually had my first swimming in 13 years, uh, what's that, March 11th over in Port Angeles and, like, killed the people. It was kind of sad. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So you're very <laughs> humble about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't say much. I was just like, oh, I'm back. So this is like a adult adult racing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, got Yeah, it. yeah. So everyone is um, 18 and up. Got you. Got so you. we aged out of USA Swimming, which is pretty much, I guess they consider 18, well, 19, 19 and up. So anyone 18 and under is considered USA Swimming, and then this is called USA, US Masters Swimming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool. And you've been, so you've been doing it forever. And now <clears throat> bringing it to the project, mm -hmm. right? You said it's about a year. Yeah. What, why? What why? brought you to that you know, decision to do that? Yeah. All right. So, um, Worked for a nonprofit for X amount of years. I started as a director of aquatics at 23. Uh, was running the shit, you know, doing my thing. And then um, I just saw some gaps within the YMCA. I'm just gonna shout it out there. And with the city of Seattle. Mm -hmm. There's some gaps when they're serving their community. And they don't work together. And I just find that as an issue, especially when it comes to staff needs, community needs. So I was down in Melbourne, Australia, and I was swimming outdoors, and I was just like, damn, I'm good at this. You know what, when I get back, I'm gonna start my own nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And so I did a couple of meetups when I was in Aussie, just some random stuff that were like, you know, trivia night or go bowling or something like that. And I was like, this actually works. Let me come home and we put together a walking group. That's what it first started out, mm -hmm. just a walking group where just random people in the community would come together at Sewer Park first thing in the morning walk around, socialize, and then that started to grow into, okay, now I'm about to add in some fitness in mm -hmm. this, right? Cause, and that's where I've come across yeah. you, yeah, is the fitness in the park. Yeah. You hit up Cal Anderson recently. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. And so <clears throat> we did that, and that exploded into, all right, you guys, now I'm ready to take you guys to the next level, what I'm actually, like, here for. We did a boot camp. Mm -hmm. And so this was free for the community. Um, Jefferson Community Center donated some weights that I was able to utilize. And we got a park permit and did a boot camp in the park. And everyone and their mama was invited, even the kids. And then that transpired into another program, which is called Stroll and Climb, where I took them on a walk. We played at the park with the kids. And then we started climbing upstairs because some of our participants were interested doing the space needle climb mm -hmm. that they had. Mm -hmm. um, so I was getting them conditioned mm -hmm. to get that. And then Wh who's your who's your target? Like who's doing most of this? Is it families? Is it tell me Ooh. about that? 
it's a mixture all across the board. I really can't target it from like Facebook analytics that says like my main demographic that's following me is between 34 and 45. Okay. Female mainly. Female mainly. Yeah. Okay. So that's from Facebook. But what I see is lots of families, senior citizens. I got a couple of teenagers that joined the program some 20 year olds so it's just all across the board it's, I really am about whoever's here to be authentic and just want to get out and be active mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. don't want cost to be a hindrance right I mean most people have to pay for a gym mm -hmm. or at least a Y membership mm -hmm. um, so this is now but you do single you'll do like a single event do you do programs where you might take someone through an eight-week thing or not you're not doing that not yet, yet. Mm -hmm. not yet our first program that we're going to do if you want to say that is we're partnering with urban family they're a group out of skyway where they serve um, low-income housing family we're going to be able to serve about 80 kids this summer doing six weeks of swim lessons and that's fantastic yeah cool, man. yeah yeah and it's going to be like one teacher to every four to five student okay. ratio where okay. it's truly individual. So you have a couple teachers. Yeah. Okay. So okay. most of us are coming from either Red Cross, like WSI, which is water safety instructor or YMCA instructing. So we have that background and I actually have some kids, shout out to my swim team, Cascade, it's a USA team. Some of my kids on that team, they're between 13 and 16 that are going to volunteer this time over the summer mm -hmm. to actually mentor little kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really great. So that'll be more ongoing. Yeah. That's cool. And what's the plan? What's the vision? Like, where, if you can wave your hand and wand in five years, where do, you, where do you want this organization to be? I want this to be a national organization where I have pop-up ambassadors everywhere and then international. I want to be like, oh, I want to be a YMCA. I want my right. name everywhere. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that is the bigger picture. And I So this is like fitness, but also like Kanye West a little bit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so our three components is holistic um, wellness, water safety education, and physical fitness. Mm -hmm. um, water safety is a very important to me just because I'm a statistic. I was about three or four, was at a pool party with my dad. I was tired of him, really impatient, and uh, was like, I'm going to my mom, but like did the whole trick, snuck to the deep end, jumped in the pool. I personally, from my recollection, I thought I was swimming and doing a decent job at this, and someone came and saved me. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, I was looking at people like, what is the big deal? And so after that, they got me in swim lessons. So mm -hmm. I understand that component of safety really hard. Mm -hmm. And this has been a passion of mine. So I love to share the gospel of water safety and mm -hmm. swimming. Mm -hmm. And then holistic wellness is another passion. I have a background as a licensed massage therapist. And I started massage school at 17. That's what my mom does. <laughs> right <on. laughs> Family connection. Right? right? Yeah. And I just know what massage therapy and just body work does for people in general so mm -hmm. I want to be able to share that resource a lot of us have this idea that massage or chiropractic work or acupuncture is only for like the wealthy and it's a luxury but it's not this is like everyday living yeah. that we should have access yeah. to and I've been able to connect the community with other people that provide affordable costs so they can get it done regularly mm -hmm. oh that's cool yeah that's cool so that's how, I mean is this like Nonprofit funding. I mean, do you have to spend a lot of time doing a lot of fundraising? Is that the idea? No, here? actually, I haven't. The blessing has been like people has been approaching me or connecting me with other contacts. Like I haven't even done any grant writing yet. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The only money I just really spend out of pocket is like like little gifts I do for like Mother's Day or Father's Day, um, like studio rental. But most of this is like truly free mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just utilizing the parks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I imagine the city of Seattle probably has some vested interest in like yeah. seeing its people be healthier and 
you know, so are they are they involved at all? Do you work with them at all? Not yet. That's okay. on the plan. That's in the plan. There's some some. You gotta stuff get you gotta get Seattle, then you get Washington, then <laughs> exactly. you get U.S., then you get international. World domination. Then you fly to Mars. Right? Yeah, exactly. I got it. Right. Got it. So that's next. Okay, and take me through one of the, take me through a boot camp. Okay, so a boot camp will look like this, where we do a simple warm up. I'm all about socializing. That's the whole key. I encourage talking back to the instructor. I encourage talking to each other, you know, shouting, whooping, and hollering. I'm that kind of coach because mm -hmm. I hate a silent class. It's church. Yes, <laughs> yes. So it's a five-minute warm-up. Then we have about 40 minutes of some type of training. It might be HIT training, circuit training, something that has inspired me. Mm -hmm. um, I even asked for their input the following week of what they would like to work on or mm -hmm. get some correction. And then we'll finish up with maybe a 15, 20-minute cool-down this year for boot camp, if y'all interested in coming out, we got some really cool stuff. We got a pound boot camp. Have you heard of pound? No. All right. So this is whole like fitness craze. We're using drumsticks. So think rock band without the TV and video game. And it's like real life drumming on drumsticks, dancing in the air. So we have that coming. And then we have like a boot camp yoga class okay. where we're just flying through sequences. So I'm really amped for that. Mm -hmm. But all ages, all abilities are of able to participate we're able to modify it and all of us are like certified instructors which is the cool part that's right and you'll be doing a bunch of those this spring right uh yes uh yeah this spring so technically right now we're in the middle of our sunday social stroll which is now until june 17th and then june 24th until the end of august we're going to be boot camping at Van so Apple. the social stroll that means every sunday mm -hmm. and that's at seward park yep right now we're at seward park uh the next four weeks will be up at beacon hill and then I got it spread out around the different communities, Kubota Gardens, uh, Watercrest over in White Center, and then Seward Park again. So you're really mixing it up. Yeah. How do people find out wh what's coming near them? Mm -hmm. So mainly I've been using um, Instagram and Facebook and all the different Facebook groups. Cascadia now has been doing an amazing job of promoting me too as well. And then the coolest thing is word of mouth. That's mm -hmm. been the main thing. That's always how Bring, it is, people right? People bring in their friends or yep. family members. Yep. So what's the average attendance now at one of these events? Uh -huh. So we average about 12 people, okay. um, which is really cool. That's a good number, exactly. actually, because like, you don't want to feel overwhelmed as an attendee. Mm -hmm. yeah. Especially yeah. if you don't like big crowds, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, that's one of the problems with gyms. Mm -hmm. I'm an extroverted guy. I actually like this stuff so much I started a radio show mm -hmm. just so I can meet new people. But a lot of other people yeah. do not like big crowds or do not like meeting a lot of other people. So if you want to just meet a small number of people, right, that sounds like a really mm -hmm. good way to do it. Yeah. yeah. A little more intimate. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And then, so then you get to the boot camp. Yes. Right? So this August or so, you said? Yeah, right? June. Yep. Oh, June. Oh, sorry, June through August. Yeah. Yep. So once you get through, someone shows up, what's going to happen? Like, what's what, what kind of exercises are you doing? Like, talk me through that. Yeah. So me personally, when I teach, I'm a kickboxing instructor. Mm. So I do a mixture of, like, cross kicks, punches, sit-ups planks, mm -hmm. make some little so yoga in there. You said people can yell at you. I think they probably yell at you. Oh, they do. Yeah. They talk a lot of caca back to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. And yeah. it amps me up even more. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then you just sort of go for like 90 minutes? Yeah, mainly an hour. Mainly an hour. An hour. Okay. Just an hour. That's all just, you really That's need. all. Exactly. Yeah. Anything other than that, it's getting a little crazy. You get into the NFL. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so it depends. Like, I can't say what my classes look like because it depends on what inspires me the week prior or what classes I'm personally taking that week. Uh -huh. And then I bring it to them. I'm a big person about teaching others what I'm learning because mm -hmm. I'm personally training 
to get my times down for swimming because I'm competing again. So I have a whole training team around me that pushes me past my limits. And so I like right. to give them a little taste. And that's when your brain is activated. Mm -hmm. Your brain, because you're, you're thinking about it so much that it's, you know, you're in it. So it's a really good time to pass yeah. that along to other people. Yeah. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. <laughs> we asked, really, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Is it? We had the, the, there was dogs barking in the last guest I had. Mm. There was actually like uh, uh, my dog and then she brought her dog. And uh -huh. they were like running around barking at each other. So you don't have to worry about noise at all. Having a good time? I, I basically, at, in one form or another, I ask this question to every guest just because it, it is, really is a theme. And that is that the city is changing yes. a lot. Yeah. Density, oh, demographics, just everything. How is that impacting? How are you seeing that in what you do? Oh, Okay, so I haven't experienced this, but a lot of people come to my class saying that this whole Seattle freeze thing mm -hmm. is real. Mm -hmm. And I was, that was the first time you're hearing about it, mm -hmm. right? So they're happy to know that they can actually make connections mm -hmm. with real people mm -hmm. and keep them. Like people are not saying like, we should hang out and then never follow up or return so, the phone calls. And you have find that people form friendships. And Absolutely. Stuff yeah, and great. they're hanging out. And like, for example, I have a couple of massage therapists that randomly comes and they've gotten clientele, but also gotten some people to link up with and hang out with. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, a perfect example is for our birthday party, we had My, My Little Sweet Cakes come and donate waffles on a stick. They're bomb. If you ever get a chance, they're just amazing. But I met... Not yeah, a sponsor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but they're delicious. But uh, I met him through one of the gals that came to the class. Uh -huh, and I was uh -huh. telling her that I'm playing this birthday party. And uh, she was like, oh, I got the perfect person for you. And I was like, perfect. And so they hooked me up with um, Jesse Lee. That's so, right. yeah. Who do we have here? Good. Who's it? Who are you? <laughs> this is Nakai Hoskins. Nakai. All right. Let's do a double interview. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have, it's, this, is a, this is a family podcast. We do yeah. say shit sometimes, though. All so. right, that's fine. So you can be family and say Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So, so you're just saying that, like, at this point, a lot of people are coming here. This is not a city. I, I will agree with the Seattle freeze. I'm a Latin person. We are generally mm -hmm. welcoming by nature. Yeah. And also I grew up in New York where everybody's like, oh, hey, God. what are you doing? Like, oh, hey, God. what's going on? Yeah. You know, here it's very different. It's very different. So you, you're saying that if anything, this is actually, people are maybe more interested now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, the other thing is a good portion, like my hardcore rider dies. There's like six of them they've actually branched out into actually taking classes at the local studios. So one of the classes we did this winter was called Mixed Bag Fitness, where I reached out to a couple of studios like Studio 206 and Rainer Dance Studio, Tiger Lily, and they volunteered their instructors to teach a class and just to get people exposed to what's in their neighborhood. And they've actually reached out and continued on with those different studios to keep up with their fitness, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I like. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm here to, to expose you and give you resources and you right. do the rest. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. We end every show yeah. with a segment we call, if you care about, uh -huh. then you should mm -hmm. fill in the blank. Okay. If you care about your health, you come out to the Duncan Connection. <laughs> <laughs> you are a self-promoter. <laughs> She's got a little Kanye West in her, I think. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Kanye Oh, is really? You think so? <laughs> Oh, God. Hey, thank you so much for being oh, on the show. Oh, man, Ian, thank you so much, um, man. We'll, get, we'll keep in touch. And, you know, when we, we'll throw up uh, some links to that when we, oh, yeah. when we post you up there. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. This was great. Now you see why I liked Tiana so much. She's amazing. Go get in shape. But before you do that, check out Brandon Letzinger. 
founder of Cascadia now. He's got a ton of interesting stuff to say as well. <laughs> How you doing today, Ian? I'm good. good. I'm good. My blood sugar is my blood sugar is crashing. Not high. Right yeah. yeah, I agree. Let's have a really slow pace, maybe mildly <laughs> <Just> boring <laughs> conversation. I like like it. an NPR, but not not like NPR now where there's some cool stuff, but like the '70s, like where people just more of the high. public access. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking of. Of NPR, like what was the the Saturday Night Live skit? Um, well, did you you never watched Almost Live? That's Seattle's local version that we had air uh, before. No, is that still going? No, no, it was in the '90s. Some of the actors just tried to do a reboot of it. I think within the last couple of years. Um, but you absolutely have to look up Almost Live. It's probably okay. one of your best informal introductions to Seattle. Well, it's just been I've been here so long. How do I not know about this? I don't know. It's where like if you're if you're not a flannel wearing yeah. Uh, Swedish toting, you know, Seattleite. Well, they reboot everything though. So why haven't they rebooted? They tried. Side? They tried. And oh, it just failed. It failed because they just good people. It wasn't all the people? Yeah, they couldn't get the whole cat. I mean, they've gone off and done their own thing. But yeah. Well, all right. We'll have to. Now that you've piqued my interest, we'll have to. I'm going to show you one after this. I'll show okay. You, all right. I'll show you Ballard parking. All right, and then we'll throw right. it up on the episode. Sure. Okay. A little uh, link. A little okay. link. A little link. A little, little reference. Brandon Lutzinger. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Ian? Are you are you the, are you my boss? Yeah. You're sort so of my. So you watch yourself. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I want to see some really nice, soft, easy questions. Save the scalding brand for, for after. for housing advocates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. You grew up here. I did. Yeah. Born and raised in Wallingford. And now you're basically you've made it your life's mission to make make Cascadia a place what what inspired that that's a really good question and it's been so long I'm not actually sure if I remember the answer to that question I I first stumbled on the idea of Cascadia I think in 2004 and I was doing running start uh, almost exclusively and full-time at Seattle Central Community College mm -hmm. and one of my courses was an 18 credit coordinated studies program called using the matrix the mo which had just come out mm -hmm. you know, and using the matrix as a discourse of power and capitalism to explore different kind of themes and one of the books that we looked at there was uh, decolonizing methodologies by Linda Tuhai Smith and it was a really nice she's a Maori uh, author uh -huh. who really looks and went into academia with the goal of reclaiming the kind of power of of language and uh -huh. how language is used as a oh, tool of okay. colonialism and imperialism and especially through academia and how academia going on your last subject actually how academia is really uh, wielded as a tool of colonialism mm -hmm. and for you know kind of this dominant culture and right. used to back up the facts of imperialism okay and so it's really interesting though that uh, so in her book she she outlines these 10 steps towards uh, decolonization and it's it's really fascinating and i think step 3 or 4 is to if you were to remove all of reality and you wanted to live in the world that you wanted to live in what would that world look like how would you organize not how would you organize but just strip away all of reality what's your utopia no, I'm sorry. I don't mean oh, organize yeah, in an yeah. advocacy sense. I mean, sure. how would you organize the law? How would you organize the the geographic boundaries if there were any? How would you sure just create what would society? Yeah, well, yeah, not, yeah, not even that. Like it's just like strip strip all reality away. What does society look like? And it could be laws. It could be other stuff. But just what are the things that you really value? And at that same mm. time, I stumbled on the idea of Cascadia. 
Mm-hmm. And the idea of Cascadia in the late 1990s and early 2000s looked very different than it did today. Mm. And there wasn't... Cascadia was not a term that was commonly understood. Mm -hmm. It had been a movement that had really risen from the ecological movement in the 1990s and late 1980s, and then it had kind of faded. And And that's the Cascadia, what, the watershed, right? Yeah, kind of the bio... So it was really this idea of Mm bioregionalism. And so bioregionalism emerged from kind of uh, Peter Berg and the Planet Drum Foundation in the 1970s in Northern California and was postulated by authors like Ernest Collenbach, who wrote Ecotopia, mm-hmm. which envisioned the Northwest yeah. as this kind oh, of yeah. an autonomous and independent state and kind of an eco-state is a, a term that he uses that had seceded from North America. And the idea of bioregionalism, though, is much more rooted in exploring boundaries as defined through watersheds. And mm-hmm. so here mm-hmm. in the Cascadia bioregion, we look at watersheds of the Columbia River, the Snake River in Oregon, and the Fraser River stemming through BC and all of those watersheds and eco regions put together create the Cascadia bioregion mm-hmm. and then from that it's the idea that culture stems from place so we're and always, sure it does right yeah. I mean it's it's almost like you just said a thing you just sort of said a thing and I, and I look at those cultures and there's there's variation of course and there uh, always will and there be. always will be but gosh isn't that such a unified culture already isn't it organically such a thing and it makes a lot of sense when you think that just we're going to have you know we live in the same area so we're going to have common concerns mm-hmm. and shared principles that mm-hmm. kind of arise from those concerns mm-hmm. so whether and i think it's a really nice way that a lot of times when you look at america or canada maybe the United States, you know, a lot of times it was lines drawn on a map. It was very oh, yeah. arbitrary. Just and they're just like sort and of they're parallels. literally completely parallel, and they yeah. don't take any of the geographic or cultural realities into mm-hmm. account. And mm-hmm. so when you start from the watersheds and you work your way up, it can be it can make a lot more Makes sense. A lot and more it, sense. not only that, but it can be a lot more efficient, effective, mm-hmm. and uh, it's can be a much firmer basis for kind of ways to structure a society. Yeah, and so, you know, it seems like, so you've been the executive director of Cascadia now for a long time. There's a tongue-in-cheek uh, secessionist, but I think more than anything, it's it's not really, that, that that's just sort of something that people put on it. I mean, it's, right, it's more um, just creating the culture, creating the awareness, right? I mean, what would you want Cascadia to be in 10 years? I think what's nice is bioregionalism outlines a really nice framework for how we can work for a bioregion which is more autonomous, more independent, but more importantly, interdependent than it is today. Mm-hmm. And I think that by using our bioregion as a framework, we can be breaking down boundaries and borders which are arbitrary and not representative of the people, and really working from a grassroots kind of level up to start building in systems which are more dynamic, more democratic, more decentralized, more autonomous, more resilient, and really that push for more of a local and ethical kind of principle that we can mm-hmm. be building from. And it sounds the one thing that I think some folks, I, we've both encountered it, um, there's a, there's some white supremacy issues out there. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? So the white supremacist issues are, are interesting. There's been a group, basically as long as there's been an idea of Cascadia, there have always been white supremacist organizations on the fringes trying to kind of take that idea. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting that you can't let groups and especially fringe groups, kind of take an idea and adopt its symbols and adopt its icons. You know, it tends to be very small groups of people, and you can't let them dominate the, you know, dominate the narrative and dominate the discourse. So there's a few different groups out there that have been around. One is the Northwest Front, and that's run by Harold Covington out of Idaho. And he's been around for decades, and it's basically one guy. But he's got a website. And he's got a radio podcast that he does. And he's been basically talking for a long time. And people. So they let just any nut do a podcast? 
Is that the idea? On their own website? Oh, yeah, it's the internet. Oh, so man. anybody can... Like anybody. anybody like, any, geez, like, I mean, you never know. Like, they could just be sitting in a basement and in, a, in anywhere in Seattle. In even. a bookstore. In a bookstore. Under a concert I mean, hall, yeah. Huh. Gosh, it's just... What a, what a world. Yeah. What a world. That's too bad. But, uh, you know, and so what's funny is that people see these things and mm. they assign it meaning and value. And so a lot of people who yeah. um, are unfamiliar with Cascadia come onto the idea. They're really excited. And they stumble on uh, the Northwest Front, or someone goes, "Oh, it's associated with the white supremacist organization." All of a sudden, the, the alarm bells goes off. Go, they go, "What? The, you know, like, yeah, yeah. what the hell? And what am I involved in? What am I yeah. involved in?" Yeah, yeah. And really, it's just it's one guy in Idaho, and they put up flyers and all the rest of it. But there are other groups, and especially since the election of the Trump administration, we've seen a, a large rise in hate groups across the United States and here in the Northwest as well. And mm -hmm. so, a couple of those groups, um, one is called Identity Europa, mm -hmm. and that's specifically a youth wing of a white supremacist organization and uh, they target disaffected white males on college campuses and yeah. they really go after they're the guys sitting in the back that when they hear someone raise their hand and say but what about reverse discrimination what yeah. about discrimination against white males they'll go up to that kid afterwards and say hey I thought what you said was was really important and they primarily spread their message through flyers they, they put up flyers that are provocative and when people see these flyers it's like they advertise themselves and so a small group of a couple people can go out and wheat paste and I know this because this used to be my tactics for Cascadia now it's how we gain eminence is that people see these and then all of a sudden it starts getting picked up on news picked up on mm -hmm. social media mm -hmm. just picked up everywhere else and then it's spread by the very people who you know want to be fighting against that that message and they, they actually are, are advertising yeah tools. they act as almost hosts for the virus completely, yeah completely wow. for that to spread yeah. and so what's nice is i mean uh, these groups i think are you know the the issue of white supremacism in the Northwest, I mean, systemically and as part of our culture, is very real. We live in a in a very uh, homogenous and, and white region that's is building in diversity and actually has a very diverse population. Especially, it's different than the different demographic makeups of the other part of the United States. But if you include our populations from Japan, Korea, Vietnam, mm -hmm. China, it's high it's level of indigenous level, Americans as well. High levels yeah. of indigenous Americans and in a place where. Uh, were lucky where they held out much longer and held on to their uh, existing culture for much longer, but still underwent the same type of oppression mm -hmm. that a lot of other mm -hmm. people did. And, you know, there's very, even the foundations of Cascadia are very racist in of themselves. You know, here in Seattle, Chinese workers were rounded up and, you know, sent home. Mm -hmm. uh, Japanese internment camps, uh, you know, like Pike Place Market was an entirely exclusive Japanese-American farmer's market until... You know, and Bainbridge was almost exclusively Japanese farmers until mm -hmm. World War II when all of their property was seized, uh, was seized and never returned. You know, it's funny how people always use those opportunities to enrich themselves. There's always so oh, yeah. many that... Oh, absolutely. So Are back you? to the Salem witch trials, right? I mean, like, literally, that, that was a land grab. I mean, it's just our, that's what our history is in many respects. That's too bad. What can somebody do to be active in Cascadia? And it doesn't have to be the white supremacy thing. I mean, that's, yeah. that's just... We, we kind of went down the rabbit hole. But what can somebody do to make this a place... Sure. A real place. Well, and before we continue too much, I'll just say, though, it's uh, the the white supremacist issue, it's been really encouraging that the first and foremost thing is that people should be knowledgeable. They should be knowledgeable about both the positive parts of Cascadia and also the reality and, mm -hmm. the, and, the, and that part. And what's exciting is that we have a very smart population that's very critical and that really wants to do better. And I'm actually very excited that one of the worst groups out there, you know, it wasn't that large, but that was responsible for a lot of confusion. Um, it was a group called True Cascadia, and they actually just closed their website. Um, they, sh they shut down their website. Their organizers were outed because they had participated in the Charleston March mm. last mm -hmm. year. And there are anti-fascist groups that are very active in working to track down, you know, 
look through the released images and then track down these people. And they were able to track this one down to a Wells Fargo employee in Portland, actually. And he ran the True Cascadia website. So he was actually outed and uh, had to shut down his website. And then Greg Johnson, who ran another white supremacist organization, which was called Countercurrents, and that's a very interesting one in how they are trying to create a culture of white supremacy. They do, it's a publishing house. They publish white supremacist books. Mm. They publish, it's, it's very much a part of this alt-right yeah, right. Uh, movement of organizations which receive a lot of funding from right-wing groups. And he was just found to be living in an apartment in a Seattle neighborhood. And he had to leave mm-hmm. because as soon as he was outed, the landlords refused to have him be present. Yeah. So what's nice is that while these issues are very real and pressing, it, they do not represent a majority of people living in the Northwest. They do not represent a majority of Cascadian supporters, which has principles that are very antithetical to any sort of yeah. white type yeah. of white supremacy and all the rest of it. And I think what's great is that the Cascadian movement itself is becoming more diverse as it reflects the people who live here and with an open mind and an open heart. So if people want to get involved in making Cascadia a place, and that can be politically, it can be socially, it could be ecologically, my one thing that I think is absolutely critical is don't wait for someone else to do it for you. Mm. Get out there and get involved with an issue that you care about. And it doesn't matter what that issue is. And that's really what we championed with Cascadia Now is we wanted to provide a framework of support for anybody out there and with the idea that there are already so many people in their communities getting active about the issues that they care about and that are really good at it and that have the right ideas. And so we don't need to be creating new wheels or new things or we need to be connecting people in with the people already there doing it. That's right. It's it's just that simple. And if everybody got active right here, right now, we would change the way the world works. Should they come down to Horizon Books and talk to you about it? They sure should. In fact, they should probably even buy a used book. Because, (laughs) gosh, I'll bet you there's some info and words in these books. Mention UpZones at the register for a 10% discount. We'll give 15% off. Oh, snap. If you mention UpZones and Cascadia Underground... 15%. 15%. 15%. 15%. Look at that. We're doing some live advertising. Hey, you know we end, you've listened to every show. You know we end it with, uh, if you care about, you should. What do you got? I think I just said it. Go out and do something and quit whining. That can be our next podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about whining culture. <laughs> okay, so, it sounds good. We'll call it white wine as right. a nice nod to the white supremacist issue. Right, let's go. Thank you so much. All right, thank you, Ian. Go check out the Duncan Connection if you want to get involved with your community while getting in shape. Check them out on Facebook, Google, all the standard suspects on social media. Uh, Also check out either Cascadia Now or our publishing organization, Cascadia Underground, if anything Brandon Letzinger said was interesting to you. They were our guests today. I hope you enjoyed. Our sponsor is Horizon Books. Mention up zones at that register for a 15% discount this week only. Opening credits to Anthony McPherson and the Subcons. Thanks to Naboo for sound production. See you next week. <laughs>